Hello and welcome to my living room. I'm Pastor Dan from River Rock Church. I'm here to preach today. I preach about every six weeks for our church, giving Pastor Chris a break, uh, me an opportunity to exercise some of my gifts. Uh, 2021, it's a new year uh, at work, maybe at home. It's a time when you're setting new goals, especially after 2020. It's a great time for us to check our priorities. What drives or motivates us? Uh, to question at this point in time, am I becoming what I want to be? Am I finding what I'm looking for? Am I looking for the right things? Am I even looking in the right places? Understanding the command and promise of Matthew 6.33 can help us achieve stability, a peace, and a contentment in the midst of today's chaos. And that's what I'm hoping that we can begin to see as we open up these verses. Now, Matthew 6.33 is a verse I call a life verse. It's one that I've tried to build my life around. And I spent an entire year meditating on this verse early in my Christian life, trying to understand the very simple and yet far-reaching implications, and, and it still keeps coming back to me new. Now, when I am frustrated, when I'm discouraged, when I'm worried, or even tired and hurting, I turn to this verse, and, and I want you to know that I need this message as much as anybody today because I have been extremely discouraged. I am frustrated uh, with some of the things that are going on in life and in our world today, and so I need to, to turn back and look at my priorities and say, am I seeking the right things? Am I seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or have I begun to seek things that are not for me? So why, uh, one of the things I noticed as I went to research this is, is that this is the third time that I preached on this passage. And it seems like I'm doing it every seven years. So I preached on it in 2007. I preached on it in 2014. I'm preaching on it now in, in 2021. So why would I preach this verse again? Well, when I look at our world today, it's a mess. And, and people need a certain amount of certainty we need to understand that God can provide that certainty. There's a hope and a peace that can only be found in the kingdom of God and in the presence of Jesus. And that's what this verse talks about. So I want to pray as we get started. Uh, Jesus, please use this message today to bring hope and peace to our hearts. Fill these words that I speak uh, with power from your Holy Spirit to touch hearts and minds and to fulfill your purposes today. So Matthew 6, 33, let's read that verse together. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, it's kind of a long passage, but, but I'd like to read it again. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus commands us to seek two things, his kingdom and his righteousness, and gives us a promise that all the other stuff that we need, God will provide. The cool thing is that both of these things we are called to seek are found in Jesus. And in fact, I don't think you can truly separate the kingdom of God from his righteousness because we need both. Uh, and, and, and even though this, uh, this search is singular in focus, it's inexhaustible in scope. A search that it never ends, a finding that is continual. Uh, and while we are focused on him, he promises to provide for us. He is essentially saying, do this, and I will take care of everything else. Basically, no worries, mate. You know, you don't need to worry about all this other stuff. 
because I'm going to take care of it. Seek after me first. Which leads me to my bumper sticker today. If you've never uh, heard me preach, I like to have a single phrase uh, that I hope that you can take with you that will help you understand the, the basic uh, point of this entire message. And that is, if I seek him first, I will find I have everything. So if I seek him first, if I seek Jesus first, I will find that I have everything. And it's really about priority. When we said Jesus is the most important person in our lives, attaining his kingdom and his righteousness as our highest goal, everything else will fall into place. We will find that we have peace, contentment, and our needs are being met. As we look at the verse, the verse begins with a very short word. It begins with the word but. Uh, some translations will have therefore. It could be translated rather or on the contrary. Jesus has just explained what we should not do and is now focused on telling his disciples who he's teaching that this is what we should do. So I'm going to go back and put this verse in context. So I'm going to read the section that it's in. And we're going to start in verse 25. I'm going to end in verse 34. Our verse is right near the end, Matthew 6:33. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown to the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. So Jesus is teaching his followers. He's gone up on the side of a mountain. He's sat down. He's teaching his followers. And they live in a world that has been conquered by the Roman Empire, a world that does not have social safety nets. Uh, most people live day to day or paycheck to paycheck. They are only one famine or calamity away from starvation or having to sell themselves into slavery. Some of this we can see in our world today. We are currently under the oppression of a virus, not a Roman Empire. It has taken away many uh, people's uh, employment. So they've lost their jobs. Many in our society live day to day, paycheck to paycheck, or dependent on government assistance, which could at any point in time evaporate. There are uh, many are only uh, a step away uh, from a lifetime of slavery uh, to credit. Uh, uh, and credit card debt. The virus itself brings an uncertainty into our world because we don't know how it's going to affect us. Some people it affects mildly, some people it kills. So we are only one sneeze away from a long-term hospitalization or even crossing into eternity. Now in the midst of what the disciples were living in, in the midst of what we are living in, Jesus tells us that if we will make our focus his kingdom and his righteousness, he will take care of us. All the other stuff 
can go to the back of the line. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to worry about it. Jesus will provide our needs. Not going to provide everything that we want, but he will meet our basic needs. So what do we do? We need to stop worrying and we need to seek. Jesus says we are to seek. What does Jesus mean when he says this? Well, maybe it's like this. I have grandkids down in North Carolina, and they love to play hide-and-seek. And, and I think most of us understand how the game works. One person covers their eyes and starts to count, and I should say mostly covers their eyes, because usually it's like this. Um, and while they are counting, everybody else goes and hides. Once the predetermined number has been reached, the person doing the seeking goes out to look for those who are, have concealed themselves. To, to be effective, the seeker needs to know, uh, in, in this case, how many little who's they need to find. So how many children do I need to find? How many are, are hiding? Because the goal is to find all of them. They have to look in the right places because the little who's know where to hide. And, they, and sometimes the hiding places, the most effective hiding places are right out in the open. Um, it, it also requires them to look in the, in the right places. They have to look in the right places to find them, and they continue to do that. With Jesus, the game never ends, because we are searching for him, his kingdom, and his righteousness, all of which are infinite in scope. So we can find a bit here, and a bit there, and a bit here, and a bit there, and what we find is we're just beginning to gain knowledge of who he is, uh, uh, beginning to gain knowledge of his kingdom, beginning to understand the righteousness that he has given to us, that he has placed his righteousness in us as believers. We're just beginning to experience that. Now, seek in this passage is a verb, and, and it requires activity. In the Greek, to seek, to search, to investigate, to get the bottom of, it is a present tense, um, active, uh, and imperative, um, uh, so present, active, imperative tense, meaning that the action is continuous, and this is a command, not a request. The imperative makes a command. The active mood makes it uh, continuous. The present tense helps to make it continuous. The reason that we do this and never come to, uh, is, is that it's that we continually seek, and we do this deliberately, is that the person of Jesus Christ, his kingdom, Again, it's infinite. There is no end to the finding that we can do as we seek for these, uh, seek these things. And it is a command for all believers for all time. The phrase continues, seek first. The priority of our lives has to be Jesus first. When we are trying to find something, we, we need to prioritize where to look for, right? We don't, um, if, if I'm hungry, I don't go out to the garage to look for food. I go to the refrigerator. Why is that? Because I know that the most likely place that I'm going to find food is in the refrigerator. Now, if I'm really desperate, I can go and eat the, the petrified french fries underneath the front car seat. But generally, I'm not to that state of starvation. So as we go to look for Jesus, we need to look and then prioritize where we're looking. And we look for him in his word. We look for him in prayer. We look for him in uh, people, uh, and and uh, because Jesus inhabits His people, we can look for him there. And and what we are to do is is this is is, is make sure that the priority that we have in our lives is Jesus. As we go through our days and our lives, ask yourself: What are my priorities? What are we trying to gain? What am I trying to attain? Where is my focus? 
And where, and more importantly, why have I made these things my priority? So where does Jesus' kingdom and righteousness fit in these priorities? Uh, well, that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Is, if, have I set my priorities so that Jesus, his kingdom, and his righteousness are my main priority? Now, if you get nothing else out of this entire message, I hope that you will look at the priorities you have in your life and ask yourself those questions. It, because, you know, when we uh, set priorities, it also determines how we spend our time. Time is our most valuable resource, and we don't want to get to the end of our lives regretting that we've chased after the wrong things, that we've looked for what we needed, um, you know, what we hunger for under the front car seat rather than in the refrigerator. So um, let's let's follow and seek Jesus first. Let's make him our priority. Jesus says our number one priority should be seeking his kingdom and his righteousness in our lives. And the things that we are to search for, look for, investigate are the depths of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Two distinct items, but I don't think they can be separated. And unlike food, clothes, money, treasures, etc., these cannot be grasped with our hands. They have to be grasped with our heart. On top of that, they are two distinct things that um, cannot be grasped singly. One cannot experience or find the kingdom of God without a righteousness that comes from God. And one cannot have the righteousness of God without being in his kingdom. You cannot separate those. That's what I talked about a couple times already. The kingdom of God is where the king is, where he rules. Technically, that's everywhere because God is in command. Jesus, everything, uh, it was told, tells us that all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. So he rules everywhere. But Jesus is talking and desires to rule in our hearts. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, these are his closest followers. He's asking them to go deeper in their understanding, grasp more fully what it means to be in the kingdom of God, for Jesus to be their Lord. The, to seek the kingdom of God, to seek his rule in our own hearts, his righteousness will follow if his rule is established. So if I seek the kingdom of God and let God be the ruler of my heart, it will, um, righteousness will follow because I will follow the things that God wants me to do. As I dwelt on this idea, it, it seemed to me for us to do this, we need to begin to grasp the meaning and truly seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to continually be doing two things. One is we, uh, we need to uh, continually confess. All who would uh, be true seekers must first confess. A, confess that Jesus is king, or if you prefer Lord. Now, kings have absolute authority, the authority of life and death over their subjects. My confession doesn't make him king. He is king regardless. So it, it doesn't matter whether I confess. The reason that I confess is for myself. My confession is a recognition that I am not king. It is to say that I recognize his right and authority over my life. Without this confession, I cannot be a citizen in good standing in the kingdom. If I try to set myself up as, uh, as king over Jesus, in, in my life, then I, really I am outside of his, uh, his authority, and I put myself in risk of his wrath. Now, secondly, we need to confess that we, we do not have a true righteousness of our own. We need a righteousness in us uh, that comes from him. This righteousness cannot be attained by anything that I do. It's already been purchased by Jesus Christ, 
and he gives that to me. He places it on me. In Matthew 5, 20, it says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is talking to his disciples at that time, and they see these people as the holiest people in their world because they follow every bit of the law. They've, they've got it down and even put extra laws in to make sure that they don't accidentally uh, violate one of the other laws. And Jesus says, that isn't even enough. And so what we need is we need a righteousness that's not our own. We need his righteousness. Uh, the the self-righteousness that we try to, to put or try to gain will gain us nothing. We, we need Jesus' righteousness in our lives to be uh, truly righteous. Matthew 6, 1 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and, and do mighty works in your name? And then, then will I declare, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, true righteousness comes from relationship, being known, and, and uh, by Jesus and knowing Jesus. The righteousness then that we are seeking is a gift from the king. It is by his grace that we obtain it, and it is by faith, uh, by his grace, that we must continually and deliberately seek it. And it is only found by being in Jesus. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Faith is believing and trusting what Jesus has done, letting go of my own righteous acts. Confession, then, is the starting point of seeking and finding the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The second thing that we need to do is we need to submit to the king's authority if we want to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God and the transformation of his righteousness in our lives. See, the actions we need to take to continuously and deliberately seek the kingdom of God and righteousness are simple. Uh, we need to read and study God's Word. We need to pray, have holy conversations with God, including a time of listening. See, if you want to find the king, the best place to go, look for him, is in the throne room. The king is on the throne. So we can go into his throne room. One of the neat things is because we are children of God, we can go in there without any restrictions at any time, and we will be received because God loves his children. God loves us. We, can, we also need to fellowship with others. Sharing together with others uh, what God is doing in our own lives. Sharing our lives, our pains, our hurts with one another is another way in which we can experience a submission to God, but also a, a, His righteousness because they will help us grow as well because God lives in them as well. We're going to the places where God is to find his kingdom and to find his righteousness. 
And as we seek the God's kingdom in, in these ways, he's going to ask us to turn over areas of our life bit by bit, piece by piece, sin by sin, non-productive thing by non-productive thing. He will not force us to surrender anything, but if we are going to confess him as Lord, we will need to be willing to let him do so to otherwise uh, behave would be to be in rebellion against him. Although some may uh, mistakenly think that because I hold the title pastor that somehow I already have surrendered everything, that I have everything together, and that's not true. God is still pointing out things to me that I need to change in my life. And sometimes it's not sin, sometimes it's good things that I need to let go of so that I can grab the better things, so that I can experience the best things that God has to offer me. In Psalm 139 we read, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there is any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is submission to our Lord, letting God inspect us and tell us what we need to change. And as we get to know God better, as we find Him in His kingdom, as we find His righteousness, as we find Jesus Himself, and we begin to understand how much He truly loves us, we won't be afraid to ask that question because we know that Jesus will act in our best interest to help us become more like this, like Him. So as we look at the effect of seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness, confessing and surrendering, we will begin to walk in His righteousness because He has chained us on the inside. Our desires, what we seek, will be shaped by Him and, obedi and obedience will be the natural outflow of these actions. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 37, 4. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. As we seek the kingdom and His righteousness, as we seek that relationship with Jesus, He's going to change our desires so they align with His, and we will begin to walk as He wants us to. See, God desires more than anything to do things in us, to make us more like Him. When we let Jesus do things in us, He is then able to do more through us in our world. We are able to help him expand his kingdom because we bring glory to his name and he can use us as instruments for, for his righteousness. If you look at what we have discussed so far, you will find that seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness is all about relationship with God. This is a way of fulfilling the first and greatest commandments to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. A relationship of loving submission to a king who loves us more than anyone can is really what we should be desiring. Jesus also gives us a promise to go with this verse, and that's what the last part that I want to talk about. He says if we make him our first priority, seeking to grow in a relationship and submission with him, we will have all that we need to accomplish his purpose for our lives. doesn't mean life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that all of our pain is going to go away. No, it means that Jesus will be walking with us and will have everything that we need to fulfill his purposes for our life. Because remember, he has authority over it. This is not a promise of prosperity. It's not a promise of an easy life. It's not even a guarantee of a long life. It is a promise that he will provide all that is needed for us and what is best for us to accomplish his will. What could this look like? It could look like Billy Graham living into his 90s who wrote this in his book, Nearing Home, Life, Faith, and Finishing Well. He wrote, I never thought I would live to be this old. All my life I was taught how to die as a Christian, but no one ever taught me how I ought to live 
in the years before I die. I wish they had because I'm an old man now and believe it. And believe me, it's not easy. The path to having all we need is found in our relationship with Jesus. By seeking continually and deliberately to grow in our relationship with him, by making his kingdom our first priority, by continually confessing that he is king to remind us that we are not, by submitting to Jesus, leading, surrendering all that we have to be used for, by him for his purposes, by trusting him completely, knowing that this is how he loves us. That is how we can continually seek the Lord. Now, Jesus is enough for us. This doesn't mean we shouldn't seek to be successful in our careers or use our natural talents to the fullest extent, be it music, art, business skills, athletic skills, parenting, whatever the talents and gifts that God has given you, we should be using those to the best of our ability for Him, doing all things to bring glory to His name. Our motivation for pursuing these things should be so that we can further God's kingdom because we need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. If we seek him fully and find our greatest, we will find our greatest joy, our greatest fulfillment, and the needs of our heart are met. Jesus says, and I'm going to close with this in John 15, 9 through 11, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that you may, my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Seek to abide in the kingdom and find joy to the full. So Jesus is saying that if we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will fill us with his joy, and we will experience a peace and a contentment that the world can never take away from us. May God bless you this week. Uh, I, I hope that this message has been helpful uh, to you. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you uh, that you've given me these words. Lord, I pray that you would use them to your ability uh, to, to help people as they, uh, as they go through life, especially the last uh, year and, and what seems to be a trying start to 2021. And Jesus, I pray that as we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that Jesus, that we would find that peace and contentment that only you can give us. In Jesus' name, amen. The most repeated question by Jesus during his ministry was this. Have you never read? Have you never read? Underneath that simple question is a life-altering implication. You should read the Word of God. That's why Jesus also says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus knows that there is a spiritual hunger inside of every human heart that can only be satisfied by consuming the words of God. Christian, give yourself to the Word of God. The Word of God is a rock, strong and steady. It doesn't budge, break, or crumble under pressure. It's an anchor in the storm, keeping us calm when everything around us is chaotic. The Word of God is a mirror showing us who we really are. You don't just read the Word of God, it reads you. It's a treasure, beautiful in every dimension and worth every effort of discovery. It brings endless joy and eternal riches to all who find it. It's a fire 
spreading across the world to bring heat and light. It's a river bringing life and power to everything it touches. The Word of God is a seed planted deep inside of our hearts, producing the fruit of holiness and righteousness. The Word of God is a sword dividing true and false, right and wrong, good and evil. It's a hammer crushing what needs to be crushed and breaking what needs to be broken. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to show us our path. So let the voice of God be the first, the last, and the loudest voice in your ear today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life. Give yourself to the Word of God.